Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There were three gates on each side, so four sides there, okay? East, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So here's John on this high mountain. He's just looking at this thing. He's like, what in the world? What's so crazy about that is he sees his own name written on this foundation. Like, I probably wouldn't have been able to write anything else. I'd be like, oh, hold on. (laughs) Well, hold on. I need some time to process, because that's my name. That's my name. The descriptions of heaven in the book of Revelation are pretty fantastic. Imagine being the Apostle John, looking at the New Jerusalem and being speechless with awe. And not only that, then he gets to see that his own name is written on one of the foundation stones. Well, today, Pastor James encourages all of us to set our hope on heaven. We can't possibly imagine how glorious it's going to be. And if you're a believer in Christ, you'll see that your own name is written there too. It's going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 21 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. Sin has to be dealt with. It has to be addressed because God is a holy God, and he is a loving God. And he says, okay, listen, if you don't want to take my free payment for your sins, then I'll let you take it upon yourself, and it's going to take you forever and ever and ever, and you'll never atone for it. That's why you can't throw away this hell doctrine. Even if it's not that popular, we cannot do away with this, because if we do that, then we are basically taking away God's love. You're like, hell doesn't sound like a loving thing. No, hell is a loving thing. Ultimately, that communicates that God has given us a choice. And he's like, look, I'm not going to force you to follow me. I'm not going to force you into a relationship with me. You have the choice. And it's this or that. And so we just think it's like, well, I'll just, you know, go off that decision based on how I live my life. And I think I'm a pretty good person. That's cool. That's fine. That's fantastic. Well, you won't go to heaven unless without Jesus anyways. But So you're a good person. But what about people who are not good people? What about ones like Adolf Hitler, who's okay with murdering millions of Jews? Do you think that it's unloving for God to send somebody like that to the lake of fire? Well, no, I mean, of course not. That guy deserves to go. Well, he's a sinner just like you and I. He rejected Jesus. And that's ultimately what's going on here is the Lord's like, look, you follow me. I'll drink from the cup. You spend forever with me. You reject me. Okay, then the cup is yours to drink from forever. And that's kind of how it boils down to because he is loving and he is just. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. Um, I think even more so nowadays. I think probably like, I don't know, maybe 50 or so years ago is probably a lot simpler, it seems like, right? Like, oh, yeah, of course, heaven and hell. Duh. Nowadays, it's kind of like heaven, hell. Well, we don't really want to talk about that. Not so much. We don't even want to sing songs about the blood of Jesus anymore. Why? Because it's offensive. Makes us feel bad. Really? Um, I desperately need to be reminded of the blood of Jesus and how it was shed for me. 
So these are all good reminders. This is like one last little reminder that the Holy Spirit, obviously, communicating to John to, to include here, of like, listen, listen. I don't want you to miss out on this. Because what we're talking about is really sweet. It's amazing. And the descriptions are going to be real, super crazy. You don't want to miss this. But people will miss it. They'll miss it. It's that road trip you're on, and you're, the road signs are getting you know, more and more frequent as the closer you get to the destination. And this is like the last one. This is your last chance kind of a deal. At this point in time, it's all said and done. We know chronologically. But for us, the readers who haven't experienced the tribulation yet and all that good stuff, this is like that one last little thing from the Bible saying, look, look, not everybody makes it. Not everybody makes it. But here's what you make it to. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, here's what you enter into. Goes on to say, one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the last plagues came and said to me, come with me. I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me in spirit to a great high mountain. All right, so there's one thought of, you know, maybe mountains in new heaven and new earth, okay? And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, it was filled with the glory of God, the Shekinah. That's technically what that's talking about, the Shekinah glory of God, OK? Um, filled with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious gem, crystal clear like jasper. Its walls were broad and high, with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the name of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, so four sides there, OK? East, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So here's John on this high mountain. He's just looking at this thing. He's like, what in the world? What's so crazy about that is he sees his own name written on this foundation. Like, I probably wouldn't have been able to write anything else. I'd be like, oh, hold on. <laughs> well, hold on. I need some time to process, because that's my name. That's my name. Lord, are you sure you want to write that name on there? Like, are you sure? Because I don't think it belongs there. That's how I would feel about that. And I'm sure that's how John would relate too. But he's watching this, and this thing is descending to this planet. And he uses these um, gems that we've already kind of gone through in Revelation. Remember from back in uh, chapter 3, but we already addressed some of these gems. But this is building material for heaven. The things that we value so greatly, God's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I build my city with. That's like drywall for me, right? Those are two by fours and golds for paving streets. And there's, yeah, and, and he's got, you make your gates out of pearl, out of a pearl, which is considered to be the most precious stone of all. Because you cannot improve upon a pearl. You can't. You know, you go down there, and pry it from that little oyster that's worked so hard on that thing. You cannot improve upon what it's created. You can't. That's why people, and especially back in the day, they consider that the most precious stone, quote unquote, that nature could produce. God's like, yeah, I'll make my gates out of it. Like, how big are these pearls, right? Number one, because these are really big gates, OK? They have to be, because these are gigantic walls. He makes his gates out of those. You can mean, it's just like crystal clear. It's like jasper. Its walls are broad and high. We're going to get into the dimensions of this. Um, but this kind of giving you a good idea of like what's to come. It says the angel, verse 15, talked to me and held in his hand a gold uh, measuring stick, okay, to measure the city, its gates and its wall. Then he measured it and he found it was a square 
as wide as it was long. In fact, it was in the form of a cube. Still, some people think it could possibly be a pyramid, right? But most individuals believe it's, it's just a gigantic cube. For its length and its width and its height were, uh, New Living Translation says 1,400 miles, OK? Now, there's some that would say 1,500 miles, and some would say 1,365, OK? Here's the point. It's really big. <laughs> it's really big. That's huge. That is gigantic. That's from Maine to Florida. It's one side of it. From Florida to the Mississippi River, from the Mississippi River back to the Atlantic Ocean. Like, this is gigantic. And it goes up an eighth of the distance from this planet to the moon. That's how big it is. It's gigantic. This is a city. This is the new city of Jerusalem. This is where the, we believe, like, your dwelling place will be. Your apartment in new heaven and new earth it can be found in a new Jerusalem. Some guy did some facts and, you know, all this good stuff. Like Henry Morris, if you don't know who he is, he's the guy who said that there may not be animals in the new heaven and new earth, which, listen, he's a brilliant man, was a brilliant man, absolutely incredibly brilliant. He did some guessing. This is what I found in a commentary. He says, um, there will have been 100 billion people on this planet, OK, uh, throughout history, OK, from start to finish, 100 billion people. It's an estimate, right? And he goes off to say that, let's say 20% of that gets saved, 20% of 100 billion, all right? Um, he says that each person in this new Jerusalem would have a block, quote unquote, of about 75 acres to call your own. <laughs> that's, that's insane, right? That's all within this cube. So you go to heaven, and God's like, throws you your keys. And he's like, there's your 75 acres. Go nuts. Have fun. And you're like, what in the world? How am I going to mow all this, right? You're like, this is crazy. 75 acres, each person, 75 acres. That's within this cube. That's really hard for our brains to grasp. For mine, it is. It's like, what in the world? That's a really big apartment. That's a really big apartment. Um, it's insane just how gigantic this thing is, and not just how big it is, but the beauty of it. It's incredible. Uh, it goes on to talk about, you know, some of its descriptions here. So he's got, you know, I'm going to say 1,500 miles, okay? 1,500 miles this way, this way, and that way, okay? Um, he says, then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. Thick. That's crazy, too. Like, 216 feet thick. Now, remember what it's made out of. I mean, it's made out of precious gems and jewels and all that stuff. 200 feet thick for 15, you know, 100 feet this way and that way and that way and that way. It's crazy. It says the angel, this is in parentheses here, the angel uses standard human measure because I guess angels have their own measurement, right? And it's probably not metric and it's probably not English or American. It's probably some other sort. So you have to have a whole new socket set when you get to heaven, okay? So you're not taking yours with you because the angels got their own thing going on there, okay? So... Verse 18, the wall was made of jasper, OK? This wall is made out of this one stone, jasper. And the city was pure gold, perfect gold, pure. It's as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on the foundation stones inlaid with 12 gems. 
The first was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third, agate, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, onyx, the sixth, um, carnelian, the seventh was uh, chrysolite, uh, the eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was uh, chrysophrase, the eleventh was jacinth, and the twelfth was amethyst, okay? Um, those are also the stones that made up the ephod for the high priest on his chest plate thing, okay? Twelve stones. This is what the new Jerusalem is made out of, all these beautiful stones. We had a picture at one point in time. I think I deleted it since then. But it's like, obviously, you got emerald, so it's like this green. Some of these are bluish in their um, hues and all that. Uh, red and amethyst, obviously, it's kind of like this purplish kind of a color. But it's just beautiful, beautiful. I mean, there's words, but the words themselves are the jewels that describe this city, like, and there's John sitting on this high mountain thinking, like, what in the world, man? Jesus has been super busy since he went up to heaven. He's been building this place, like, incredible. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. That's what he told his disciples in John chapter 14. Like, good job, Jesus. This is incredible. This is amazing. And we only get the description of it. Imagine that moment, because this is a very real moment for you and for me. One day, this will be a reality where you are standing on a new earth, and out of the sky from heaven comes this gigantic cube called the New Jerusalem. And we're all just in amazement, thinking like, wow, 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 man. I never saw that on Zillow. Like, this is crazy. Like. This is amazing. Just that's New Jerusalem. This is a New Jerusalem. It's what's to come. To me, it sounds like this is worth whatever life throws at you today. You just keep holding on. You just keep holding on. This is what's to come. This is forever. You know, throughout the timeline of your life in a form of a rope. Your life on planet Earth is only like this much of this gigantic rope. It's only this much. This is where most of your existence is going to be spent here. This is where we work. That is where we play, OK? There's some fun stuff that you get to do in a new Earth. Gardening might be part of that. Building stuff might be a part of that. Because that same reference that I read earlier from Isaiah chapter 65, if you continue reading, it talks about like building gardens and building homes and all this stuff. Will we be doing that on a new earth? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Will there be like a new creation of people beyond us in this new earth? I have no idea. I have no clue. There's some thoughts that are out there about that. I have no idea. Doesn't really matter. So my eyes are set on like, I don't care what God does. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's letting us live there. That's amazing. It's incredible. So you got all these descriptive, these jewels, you know, these fine gems and all this good stuff. Verse 21 says the 12 gates are made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. How big's the gate? I have no idea. How big's the oyster? That's a better question. Where did he find this thing at? I'm telling you, we have no idea what lives on the bottom of the ocean floor. We have no clue. Like, less than 5% of our oceans have been searched out, OK? We have no clue what. Probably down there are these gigantic oysters with these massive pearls. They're probably just waiting. 
I don't know. I've been working on the sand for quite a long time, thousands of years. God told me he's got a plan for me. So all you need is 12 of them. They're probably in one of those trenches somewhere. But one pearl for one gate. Since the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. No impurities, no nothing. Not, I mean, just pure gold. That's your concrete in heaven. That's your asphalt in heaven. No potholes ever. Just pure gold. Pure gold. No temple could be seen in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for a sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. That's, again, speaking of that Shekinah glory, this light that just illuminates off of God. And you spend time in his presence. You turn into a Moses, and you walk down from the mountain, and people are like, can you please put a bag on your head? Because you are shining. He's like, yeah, I've been spending time with God. I would hope, I would hope that people would accuse me of shining too much. Right? Don't we all? Probably need to spend a little more time with Jesus, kind of shine things up a little bit. Jesus and God, they will be what provide the light for this um, new heaven, new earth. Um, it says that the sun and the moon are no longer needed. It doesn't necessarily mean that the sun and the moon are gone in one sense. So you may be thinking about, like, what about the planets and all that stuff? They could still be there. I don't know. I Honestly, I just, I don't know. Um, but we don't need them to do their jobs right now. They were there at the beginning. God created the planets, the sun, the moon, and the stars and all that. They were there from the very beginning. So if this is kind of going back to Genesis chapter 1, in one sense, this recreation type thing, there very likely could be still a sun, a moon, planets, and all that stuff. In your glorified body, maybe you can fly to outer space and go explore them if you want to. I don't know. I have no idea. He goes on to say, the nations, here's what's cool, verse 24, the nations of the earth will walk in its light. The rulers of the world will come and bring their glory to it. Uh, the gates never close at the end of the day because there is no night. So that's speaking of safety and security. You don't have to lock your doors in heaven. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You don't have to live in fear in a new heaven and a new earth and new Jerusalem. What's this talking about nations of the world and the rulers of the world will come and bring their glory to? What in the world is that talking about? That's where some people have the idea of like, well, what if God creates new people? What if he creates new people and we still rule and reign with Christ on a new heaven and a new earth? I don't know. It's a thought. It's something interesting to kind of kick around in your brain. Uh, I don't think you should go off and write any books about it because you don't have enough information on it, okay? Because this is all just like speculative, okay? We have no idea. What we do know is that in a new heaven and a new earth concerning a new Jerusalem and God is there and Jesus is there and the Holy Spirit is there, humanity will be united as one. There'll be no more divisions, no more divisions, none of that stuff. That's all gone. And the one purpose for humanity is to bring glory to Jesus, is to bring glory to God. And we will get it right there. We can still try here, and we should be trying here, but there it'll happen. It'll happen. We should fight for it here. Absolutely. Breaking down whatever barriers have been in place and all that stuff. No, we don't make any excuses. Humanity, human beings, we're one and the same. We bleed the same color. We bleed the same blood and all that good stuff. So we fight for that. 
right now because we as Christians should be well aware of the fact of what is to come, where this unity will be a reality. So we embrace it when we can here and now. It's going to be amazing. Can you imagine the worship services there? I mean, that's like every tribe, every tongue, every nation, people just together. There's no denominations. There's none of that stuff. Um, it's just going to be absolutely just incredible. It'll be incredible. Verse 26, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. No one who practices shameful idolatry, dishonesty, um, but those who, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, those are the ones who belong there. So again, it's just that last little thing of like, look, there is a book. It's got names in it. What you want is to make sure that your name is in the book, because this is what's to come for you. It's an incredible thing. And I would hope that you and I can tuck this uh, John or Revelation chapter 21 and a new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. Uh, tuck that away in your heart, because this really is the motivation that can get you through some pretty rough days on this planet. Dare I say, rough year on this planet. This is home. This is home. This is not home. This is not. This current earth, old earth, uh, this is not your home. This is not. Your citizenship is concerning the kingdom of God. And this is not your home. We are sojourners on this planet. We're passing through. We're on a mission. And we're headed home. Home for us is new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. This is why your heart aches. This is what your heart is groaning for. It's groaning, and it's not the stuff. It's the presence of God. It's there with him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and us together, united, one, worshiping him. That is what your heart is groaning for. What I never realized, and I'm sure you can relate to this, um, that is what my heart was groaning for before I got saved. Because you were made. We were created in his image. We were created for a relationship with him. We were created for this new heaven and new earth. That's that groaning. That's that longing. This world cannot provide anything to fill that void inside of us. It just can't. Because we were made for that day. We were made for that new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. I hope that that just serves for us as a good reminder of what's to come. Let's keep running the race. Let's stay focused on Jesus. Let's finish well. Let's finish well, knowing what's to come and not ignoring what's happening on this earth or not being invested in what's happening on this earth and all that good stuff. No, we're invested in what's happening here. We care about what's happening here. We're compassionate towards the hurt that is surrounding us on this planet. We're absolutely invested in it because Jesus himself is invested with what's happening right here and now. So we're on mission. We stay focused on him. We run this race. But we know as bad as it gets here, it doesn't even compare to what is to come and the relief and the joy that is awaiting for each and every believer. So we can stay strong and we can keep running. We don't give up. We don't give in. We just stay focused. We stay focused.
Jesus is like a fresh wind blowing through a winterized, closed-up cabin that's musty and devoid of company. He changes everything, eliminating the cobwebs that so easily entangle. And as we learn from the book of Revelation, it will one day be the same with this old, sin-filled world that we live in. Everything will be different, and it's going to be better because that's what Jesus does. Today's message isn't the only one that Pastor James Grizzle has taught. To hear others like this one, make sure you go to breadforthebroken.com for more. You know, Satan wants nothing more than to distract you from spending time in God's Word. The question is, will you disappoint him? Will you continue to seek ways to grow closer to Jesus? We hope that today's message has blessed and inspired you. We can't know what season of life you're in, but we trust that Jesus spoke to your heart today through this message, and we hope that you'll be back for more. Would you like to help spread the good news of Jesus? A donation of any size would help us. We're so thankful for those that would support us financially. Find more information at breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle and everyone here is anxious to meet you. So feel free to come either Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We hope to see you soon. We're just a group of people who are laid back and desire to magnify Jesus at all ages. Be assured there's something here for you too. Come back again for more on Revelation right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.